Take your Bibles out. Colossians chapter 4 is where we're going to be today. Matt told me I could preach as long as I want, as long as I was done at 10, okay? And uh, so we're going to jump in the Word today, and we've got what I believe is a great, encouraging text. It is a passage of Scripture, to be honest with you, that's very different. It'll be a little bit of a different message today. It's the very last words of a letter the Apostle Paul wrote to a church called the Church in Colossae. And as he's wrapping up this letter, it's kind of like us when we're wrapping up a phone call. He just kind of says a bunch of things, tell so-and-so I said hi and this and that. And we can think these are wasted words. But how many of you would agree with me today? There's not one wasted word in the Bible. All of them are important. And so I came back to this text and poured through it. And I believe there's a message that is for this church on this day. Colossians chapter 4 is where we're going to be. And uh, I'm going to begin reading in verse 7. Again, as we read through this text, it's going to appear as though it doesn't all fit together. But I believe God, when we get to the end of this time in the Word, is going to wrap it all together just right for us. Colossians 4 and verse 7 says this. All my state shall Tychicus declare unto you, who is a beloved brother and a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord, whom I've sent unto you for the same purpose, that he might know your estate and comfort your hearts. With Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother, who's one of you, they shall make known unto you all things which are done here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, saluteth you. Mark, and Marcus, sister's son, to Barnabas, touching whom ye receive commandments, if ye come unto you, receive him. And Jesus, which is called Justice, who are of the circumcision, these only are my fellow workers under the kingdom of God, which have been a comfort unto me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that ye may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. For I bear him record that he hath a great zeal for you and them that are in Laodicea and them in Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. Salute the brethren which are in Laodicea and Nymphos and the church which is in his house. And when this epistle is read among you, cause that it be read also in the church of the Laodiceans and that ye likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord, that thou fulfill it. And then Paul says in verse 18, this, uh, the salutation by the hand of me, Paul, remember my bonds, grace be with you, amen. I want you to think of those last words there, Paul says, grace be with you. Let's ask God's help as we study his word today. Our Father, we are so thankful to be in a church where lives are being changed. And as your word is proclaimed today, we pray that you would help all of us to be more like you. I thank you for this church, and I pray your blessing upon it. And God, may our time in the Bible today be a help to each person. And we ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. He loved people. There's just no other way to say it. The Apostle Paul, as he wrote, he mentioned people all of the time. In fact, if you were to look at the letters he wrote in the New Testament... He mentions over a hundred different people by name. In one chapter in the book of Romans, he mentions over 23 people by name. And in the verses we read this morning, just a few verses, 10 different people are mentioned by the Apostle Paul. He loved people, and we really do find a lesson in that. We find the value of being and having good friends. And 
And these words that Paul shares, it seems like he's just wrapping this letter up, but I really believe what he's doing is this. He's revealing his heart. He's letting them know what's important to them. And I believe if we listen not just to what Paul says, but even to how Paul says it, we begin to see the culture that Paul valued in his life and with those with whom he served and the culture he hoped would be found in the church of Colossae. As we get into these words, we see that Paul longed, first of all today, for a culture of encouragement. Now, as we began reading in verses 7 and 8, Paul said this. He said, All my state shall Tychicus declare unto you, who is a beloved brother and a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord, whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose, that he might know your estate and comfort your hearts. Now, Tychicus was a faithful brother to the Apostle Paul, the brother in the Lord. And Paul called him here a faithful minister. I want you to understand what Paul meant when he said that. Those words mean that he was a dependable servant. He was a dependable helper. And and then Paul went on to say that he was a fellow servant in the Lord. And that expression meant that this man Tychicus had given his life to God for the purpose of serving others for the glory of God. Paul wanted to encourage this church himself, but he couldn't. He was writing this letter from a prison cell. He'd been in prison for preaching the gospel, but he said, you know, there is one that is a good man. He's God's man. He's a faithful man, and he will encourage them. He said, I, I'm sending him that he might know of your estate and comfort your hearts. Paul valued a culture of encouragement, and although he couldn't go, he said, I've got just the man for the job. But I want you to think even how Paul did this. As he sent this man, Tychicus, to encourage the church, these words would have been read with him in the audience, and Tychicus would have been sitting there hearing Paul say, man, this is a faithful brother. He's a dependable helper. He's God's man. He's given his life to the Lord, and he's a really good encourager. And Tychicus, who had been sent to encourage, would have been encouraged by the words that Paul gave. There's value in making a decision to give your life to encourage other people. You know, of all the places in our lives where we should be able to come to find encouragement, it should be our church family. And this is a church that values a culture of encouragement. No matter how it is we come into a service, by God's grace, we can leave it better for having been there. And this is what I believe about you this morning. Many of you, I'm sure, are very good at encouraging others. But maybe you're like me, and sometimes I'll have an encouraging thought that I don't share. This should be the kind of place if... God brings a message from here that is a blessing to you that something is said about it. If a song is sung that ministers to your heart, you mention that and thank people. This is a culture that needs to be developed and Paul valued it. He he wanted to live a life that encouraged others so much so he even encouraged people that encouraged others. A culture of encouragement. But we find secondly in this text a culture of family. In verse 9, we meet a man by the name of Onesimus, and we'll talk more about him in a moment. But I want you to notice, as Paul wrote of Onesimus, he said of him this, Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother. He said, I want you to know something about Onesimus. He's beloved, and the word beloved means you be loved, okay? He said he's a beloved brother. He's a brother. He called Tychicus the same thing uh, the verses before. Later in verse 14, Paul writes here of Luke, and he says he's the beloved brother. Physician, in verse 15, Paul uh, said this, salute the brethren. These were all terms of family. These were all terms of endearment. And friends, I want you to know today what Rock Hill is a family of faith. 
It's a bunch of people that have come together. And for those of you that named the name of Christ, you've been born again into the family of God. And if God's your father, that makes you spiritual brothers and sisters with those around you. This is to be a family. Oh, listen, Rock Hill is not a place that, uh, that hosts uh, Sunday morning events. It's not some religious organization. It's not a business that produces religious goods and services. If you're a believer today, you've not just been saved from your sin. You've been saved into a family. And Paul valued a culture of family. So we have to ask and answer the question, what would be the best way for each of us to culture, uh, to have a culture of family in this church and in our lives? Well, I think one way we've already heard of today, they're coming back, Katie told us about it, small groups are coming up. And small groups have been a part of local church life since the very first church. And I would encourage you today, make that a part of your spiritual discipline. I, I want to just say this and go out on a limb a little bit. I don't know that we can ever be fully connected and engaged and know others and be known by others to the degree that God would have if we weren't a part of groups like that. Rows in a room like this are helpful, but to get with a group where you can be a part of it, that's a wonderful decision to make. That helps you develop a culture of family. I'm going to tell you another way, by serving together. Listen, it's not near as important what we do as it is the one for whom it's being done. If you're doing what you're doing for Jesus, it really doesn't matter where you are. And I'd encourage you today to get involved in, in serving. Most of you don't know me very well personally. Some of you do, but if you did, you'd figure out pretty quickly. I'm pretty much an introverted person. I know I have to talk up here, but I think a long time before I speak. And, and uh, in, a, in just a personal setting, I'm, I'm a pretty quiet person. And um, I was at a pastor meeting that was being hosted on our family's farm in Colorado. I live in California, but we have a family farm in Colorado. And, and uh, I was kind of like the helper host. I wasn't the one up front talking. I was more the one helping people know where their room is and, and doing all of that. And, and, and the one hosting the event came up to me and walked me over to another pastor that I, I did not know. And he said this, hey, you two need to get to know each other. Now, some of you are a person like me. When I say I'm kind of quiet and, and a little bit introverted, that's like the scariest thing in the world. When someone puts you in that position, it's like, hey, make conversation happen, okay? And uh, so immediately I got nervous to make things worse. The pastor he introduced me to was kind of a guy like me too. So you have two kind of socially awkward people being commanded to have a conversation. And we followed orders. We sat down and had the most awkward conversation you've ever heard <laughs> two pastors have, you know? So how long have you pastored? Where do you pastor? Tell me about your family. And man, we made our way through it and it was horrible. We were both so glad it was done. Horrible experience. Later that afternoon, there was a little free time. And on the farm, I can't explain to you why I like to do this, but I like to split firewood. There's something cathartic about just swinging an ax and watching things fall apart, okay? And so I grabbed a pair of gloves and I grabbed my ax and I was walking outside to split some firewood. And this, this pastor that I was commanded to have a conversation with said, do you need some help? I said, yeah, that'd be great. I went and got another set of gloves, got another axe, and we went outside. And over the course of the next hour, we laughed, we told stories, we got work done, and a friendship was established. You know, I've noticed sometimes guys aren't too good face-to-face, -face, but you get a shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder in the same endeavor, the same cause, something incredible happens. I mean, a bond is established. Good things take place. Uh, listen, I want to encourage you. Get involved in the service of your local church. You will bless others, but what happens through you will be nowhere near as impactful as what happens in you when you value a culture of family.
Now, we read a bunch of names in this text, and if you're wondering if I pronounced them right, I'm not sure, you're not sure, and they're not here to correct us, but uh, I think if the Apostle Paul mentioned their names, we should at least read them, and if your name is in the Bible, you'd want us to do the same for you. Let's just think of some of these people Paul introduced, and I'll tell you a little bit about them. He mentioned here Tychicus. We know he was a pastor. He carried Paul's letter here to the church. He mentioned Onesimus in this passage. Onesimus was a slave. He ran away, and he was running far. He went to Rome. He meets the apostle Paul who leads him to Jesus Christ and Paul says hey runaway slave you need to go back where you were and make things right he mentions a man by the name of Aristarchus he was a prisoner the Bible tells us in Acts 17 that he was with Paul in a in a riot and then in Acts 19 he was with Paul in a shipwreck and then here in Colossians 4 he's with Paul in prison choose your friends wisely okay he was apostle Paul's friends went through a lot but uh, that's what we know about him Mark is mentioned. He was a missionary, formerly fired by Paul, and then they later got things back together. The Bible mentions here Jesus, or Justice as he's called. We don't really know anything about him. Epaphras is mentioned. He's a church planter, probably started the church here in Colossae. Luke is mentioned. He was a medical doctor, a companion of Paul's. Really, he wrote more words in the New Testament than any other author. He did much. Demas is mentioned here. He was a missionary who, interestingly enough, later he quits the ministry, walks away. Nymphus is mentioned. He was a, a house church host. Maybe we could call him today a small group leader. Uh, Archippus is mentioned, and, and he was a struggling new pastor. He probably took over the church here uh, in, in Colossae when Epaphras went to see Paul. And then, of course, Paul's mentioned. And Paul was a former persecutor of the church, and we know him to be the great missionary and, and writer of so much of Scripture. I mention all those names, as odd as they may sound. They'd probably think my name, Steve, is really weird. But as odd as these names are, I mention them all to you for this reason. What an eclectic group. We have pastors and church members. We have uh, s slaves who would have been poor. And we have those that owned homes and, and had house, uh, church it were in their houses. And, and uh, just all these different kinds of people. Friends, I want you to know something. When they all determined to follow Jesus Christ, that put all of them on the same path. And it really wasn't important anymore what their background was, what they were coming from, what they'd been into. It was all about where they were going and who they were serving. I want each of you to know this morning, if you're in this church, you bring value to this place by your presence. You see, it's your background, it's your experiences, it's your gifts, it's your abilities, it's your talents that you're to add to the overall mosaic of what this place is. And if you're here today, I can tell you this, I know the heart of your pastor well enough to say you are wanted and you are needed and you are appreciated and there's something special about a church where people come together in this way. We move on, the next one Paul mentions here is a culture of appreciation for the Bible. As Paul writes this letter we call Colossians, we know it becomes the infallible word of God. And in verse 16, Paul just makes this statement, and when this epistle is read. There was this understanding when people come to church, yeah, singing, praise, worship, testimonies, all of that's incredible. But man, until the word of God is opened up, you haven't really had a church service, Paul said. And when this epistle is read. Since the very beginning, the church has been all about the Bible. In Acts 2, when the church was just getting started, the Bible says they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Doctrine means teaching. Where did the apostles get their teaching? From Jesus. 
And they passed it on, and we're seeking to do the same. It's about God's word. And listen, this is a church that's not going to depart from the Bible. This is a church that understands the Bible is the final authority in all matters of faith and how we carry out our faith. This is a place that believes the words of Paul to Timothy when he said, Timothy, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect, mature. Thoroughly furnished unto all good works. This is a church that takes the word of God seriously. They don't take themselves too seriously. They'll include in their commemorative video on their fifth anniversary uh, uh, an egg event that turned into a miniature riot, it sounded like to me. They don't take themselves too seriously, but man, do they take God's word seriously. That's the way it should be. Uh, Our our church uh, in the auditorium as it was built out uh, years back, Some of the guys got together and they were talking. They came to me. I'm not sure whose idea it was. It wasn't mine, but I thought, that's a good idea. And uh, they said, hey, pastor, uh, we want to do something. As we're building a platform, we want to hollow out the area beneath where we'll set the table that you'll be standing from when you preach. And in that hollowed out area, we want to place a copy of God's word with a bunch of prayers written out on what it is we're hoping God will do through the preaching. And they did it respectfully. And I just think it's amazing that each Sunday when I stand to teach our people the word of God, I'm literally standing on the promises of God. And that's a reminder for me, it's a reminder for our men, it's a reminder for all of us that nothing of value can be said from a place like this unless it begins with, thus saith the Lord, without the Bible opening up. I I don't know many preachers in all of the world who can convey truth as, as well as your pastor can, but what makes his preaching powerful isn't his winsome delivery, although it's great, it's that it's Bible preaching. It's Bible preaching. We're thankful for that. We need to make sure that we have that heart that's willing to hear the Bible, to appreciate the Bible. I've got to be honest with you. I don't mean this with a critical spirit, but I think you'll cut me enough slack to hear what I'm about to say. I have been around churches that were very enthusiastic and exciting, and they never quite got around to Scripture. I've been in some churches that they were really good on the Scripture, but there was very little joy or enthusiasm. It was just kind of like dry. This is a place that's got both. People that love God's Word and are excited about God's Word How great it is that Rock Hill is an example of of this culture that appreciates the Bible. And then we see this, a culture of support. I want all of you to join me in looking at verse 17. If you're still with me, say amen. Amen. Just about done. Verse 17, Paul wrote this. He said, and say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord that thou fulfill it. Now, I said earlier, we believe Epaphras was the man that started the church in Colossae. He had to leave to go see Paul. And Archippus is the man that stepped up to fill the void. And he's now leading the church. And clearly, he's struggling. I don't know what all he was going through. And uh, without sounding like complaining, uh, ministry at times can be difficult, just like every other area of life. And and clearly, he was struggling. Maybe someone was mad that uh, he wore a mask, or maybe someone was mad he didn't wear a double mask. I don't know. There are a lot of things pastors have to deal with, and you're never going to get it exactly right for everybody, but he was struggling. And we don't know a lot about what was going on, but we know two things. The Bible says of of this man, Archippus, that that he was uh, a man whose ministry had uh, been received in the Lord. So he was God's man. God had put him in that place. And then Paul says of him that that he was to take heed of the ministry. So he was God's man and he had a work to do. I want to say today, you all are blessed to have a pastor who's God's man and that he's doing God's work 
But I want you to notice that Paul didn't write here, hey, Pastor Archippus, do your work. What he did was he wrote to the church and he said, hey, church, encourage your pastor in the work. He was saying, church, realize this, that just like the rest of you, he goes through things and there are struggles that he encounters and an encouraged pastor is going to do a whole lot better to encourage you than a discouraged pastor. He said, encourage him in the work and church family. I want you to know you have a role to play in being a supportive person as God would allow. I'm not going to go back and rehearse all of the history to you, but man, these last a couple years have been interesting to say the least. I watched the video and we went through all you guys were going through it. There were times your pastor and I talk on the phone and think what are we going to do you know in the parking lot really can you do that and we both did it and and uh, and yet as we're going through all this just keeping things going seemed to be a tall order but then we all go through things in our own lives I remember in the height of COVID uh, my mom was in the hospital sick dying and at first we couldn't even get in to visit her and and then finally they made an exception in fact today today would have been uh, grandma's uh, birthday and uh and it was just, it was a tough time. And I'm traveling back and forth to Phoenix where my mom was. And, and uh, uh, just, it seemed like the whole world was falling apart. You guys have all been there. I know that. I'm not telling you guys something that you can't relate to personally. But finally, I remember my mom passed away. And it was just like at the low of a low moment. It just seemed like nothing in life was working. And I'll never forget the day. I, I, I remember feeling just as lost as I possibly could in every way possible. I, I mean, literally, I was lost. I was where the funeral was to be held and maybe Maybe information had been given that I missed, but there's no information at all. Typically, a family will, will come in, and there will be seating for them. And I didn't know where I was supposed to go, and I was just, I was just so down and discouraged, standing in the parking lot outside of, of my mom's funeral, and, and, and just nothing was coming together. And that's when I saw a group from our church walk up. That meant they had to get on the road at 4 in the morning to drive to Phoenix. Now, most of them had met my mom. None of them knew my mom well, but they knew and loved me. And I can't tell you a single word any of those people said to me. It wasn't about the words. They showed up in my life. And what they communicated is, hey, it's going to be okay. We're going to get through this together. We're here for you. Oh, friends, we're all going to encounter people in their low times in life. You'll never know the value just that your presence brings to them. Speaking to a group of pastors, Paul said, I've showed you all, how, uh, I've showed you all things how that so laboring you ought to support the weak. He said support, a culture of support. We'd say, well, who's the weak? Aren't we all at times? Paul said, we need to support one another. To an entire church in Thessalonica, Paul wrote these words, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak. This is not a job for a select few. Each of us should develop this culture by doing what we can to bear one another's burdens. And then the final one in closing, Paul valued a culture of grace. The very last words of, of this book, he said, the salutation by the hand of me, Remember my bonds. He was in jail. He said, hey, don't forget about me. And then he said, grace be with you, amen. Paul concluded this book of Colossians in the very same way he began the book of Colossians. In Colossians chapter 1 and verse 2, Paul wrote this. He said, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, the culture of a church that accomplishes what Christ would have is rooted in the gospel of grace. Paul began and concluded with the words, grace be with you. And grace is God's undeserved favor. Grace is when God treats us as Jesus Christ deserves. 
not as we deserve. He treats us as Jesus deserves. God's grace is, is his one-way, unthinkable, unearnable, saving, sanctifying, sustaining love given to sinners like me and you. God's grace. And it's the message that we're not only to possess, we're to preach, we're to share, we're to give. Sometimes I'll meet people and they'll let me know that they're church shopping or looking for a church, and I get that. And you know, I think a lot of times they're looking for a church that embodies very much of the culture that the Apostle Paul talked about, a place that can minister to them, a place that feels like family, where they can be encouraged, and, and all of these things. And, and I, I understand that. I want you to imagine with me today, if just those in this room said, you know, I don't, I don't want to be the kind of person in this church that's just looking around for all these things I think could help me. What if I was someone who was diligent to try to develop this culture in my life and in our church? What if I decided to be the one that goes out of the way to encourage, the one that's loving on others, the one that's staying in the word and loving the word, the one that's being supportive of what's happening? Oh, friends, I would imagine if that was the heart that we'd have, we would find these first five years and the history of Rock Hill would be nothing more than a great start that you would go on to see things that are greater and beyond anything we could imagine or think and that will be by the power and the grace of God but it will be because we were intentional. Say, God, this is the culture I want in my life. Father, we're grateful today.